When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the sixth NRL Supercoach Talk podcast for 2018. And it's my pleasure to introduce Jared Condon from readingtheplay.com to you today. Uh, for those who aren't familiar with Jared, he has coached the senior level for 16 years, including three years on the coaching staff of an NRL club, and has managed players and also worked in various development roles. Nowadays, Jared spends hours each week watching and reviewing every game in order to provide betting tips publicly through his website readingtheplay.com. Jared also manages the very popular Twitter handle of the same name, which has over 10,000 followers. So with all that said, uh, welcome, Jared, and thank you very much for agreeing to come on to this week's podcast. My pleasure, Josh. Great to be here. How's everything going from your end? It's, um, you know, we're a week away from the start of the season. Well, it's fantastic, isn't it? We've only got four or five days till the first game. Probably had five weeks of work like you. Uh, sorting through ratings and team analysis and looking at how the season might unfold. And it's nice to have all of that work done and now we can get into the games. So can you just explain to the listeners a little bit more about, you know, readingtheplay.com and, and kind of what it offers? So you've just spoken then to say, you know, you've you worked through a, a preparation of ratings, but maybe if you, for those that aren't that familiar, if you could just explain a little bit further. Where it quickly evolved from was... Uh, uh, Late 90s, I retired from coaching, and at that stage, betting on sports had started to really take off uh, very quickly in Australia, and rugby league was one of those key sports. Um, I've always had a bit of an interest in um, betting. I started to follow the NRL and the different markets that were available and found that I had an edge. I look at a game a little bit differently because of the coaching background, Uh, And it just became a bit of a passion of mine. From that, I started doing previews on free sports websites and then seven years ago decided I'd have a crack at putting it on the internet and seeing what happened, which was reading the play, very quickly uh, gained a following and now uh, we specialise with NRL, AFL and horse racing and a couple of other sports along the way. So that's where it's grown from. Over the last seven or eight years, I've also developed my own methodology of using how I look at a game as a coach, but also then how I then rate each of the individual teams. I rate every team at the start of a season out of a a total number of 100, and then I use that method each week to re-rate each team and then turn my ratings into a handicap, similar to how the markets would offer a handicap Uh, both a head-to-head price and a line price. Once I've got that position, I then consider where I think there might be an advantage and teams or games that I'd like to bet into. So 
that's the background with what we do at Reading to Play. We then turn that into game handicaps, recommended bets, and we provide a written, a written detailed previews of each game so that our subscribers have got a feel before the weekend of all the key stats, what we think might unfold, and any areas that we think it's worth having an interest. Okay. And do you have a, a quite a big team under you, or is this something that you're largely driving um, by yourself? Oh, we have a team of probably four or five involved. Uh, on the NRL side of things, there's myself and uh, two other guys that I liaise with. Uh, one of them offers all of the key stats information in addition to whatever I might have, and then another that I'll, I'll uh, use as a sounding board for ratings and analysis. Um, he's also a full-time pro at this. And then it's something similar with the AFL. Yeah, okay. And... Um... I mean, this is obviously a, a fantasy-based or a, a super coach based um, podcast, so a little bit different to um, betting, but I think there's a lot of similarities and a lot of it can translate, uh, particularly about, and we'll get into it a little bit later, but, you know, understanding the game, understanding um, particularly what you were saying, the, you know, who's the club, um, the players, their ability, who they're coming up against. I mean, that it all um, does correlate and, and the output is quite similar, I think, from a, a betting and also a you know, understanding who's going to be good from a fantasy point of view. So, um, absolutely, I, I think it's a um, quite pertinent to have you on the the podcast the week out before we jump into both seasons. So, um, you know, thank you for that overview. And you know, we do have a jam packed show today, so we should probably jump straight in. But before we do, let's just set the scene. So, today we'll be previewing the 2018 uh, NRL season, and in particular, looking at who are some of the big movers and shakers, expected premiers, and also the Wooden Spoon winners. And finally, we'll be just getting some insights from Jared as to what he generally looks for as part of his weekly reviews before making any predictions, which I, I hope that we can use to our benefit in terms of doing the same um, from a super coach perspective. So um, let's just jump straight into it, shall we? And the preseason's been packed full of news as um, what you'd normally see, but what are your key observations um, amongst all the noise? Well, the most amazing issue is I don't remember a off-season where, A, we've seen such a high number of players turn over between clubs, but more importantly, we've actually seen eight key playmakers move amongst 16 clubs. So uh, 50% of the clubs have changed to seven or six. So we've got Cronk, Pearce, Green, Moylan, Maloney, Reynolds, Foran and Hunt. That's quite staggering. So... Most clubs have improved themselves with with those acquisitions, but I guess a couple of clubs have left themselves out on a limb, potentially with where they move forward, and notably that would be Manly. I'm sure that when they release Green, they expected that they were able to, uh, within the next 10 days, sign Pearce. That's now not happened, and they lose a key playmaker. So in terms of off-season movements, that is just um, quite staggering. And what it's done in terms of... Uh, team depth, it's evened up the competition quite dramatically. And I've got nine teams rated side-by-side from um, positions uh, seven downwards, um, all fighting for the bottom of the eight, but could end up finishing 12th, 13th or 14th. And so I expect that we're moving into a very, very even competition. Yeah, it kind of seems that way. way. A lot of the experts, such as yourself, are are reporting that you know, this is, you know, potentially the tightest year we've had in, in um, you know, some seasons gone by. And, I mean, even if you look at the betting market at the moment, there's three clear 
um, clubs there, the Roosters, Cowboys and Storm, all hovering around the 5 to $6 mark. And, and I can't remember uh, for the life of me that that has been so close, um, particularly at the, the top end. And then if you look down to the rest of the field, it really just is extremely open. Well, and if we, uh, at the top of my ratings, I've got um, the Cowboys and Storm, but I then have them with a reasonable gap behind them uh, to then the, the, the next four teams. But then from the top of the table to the bottom of the table, I have a significant gap as well, which was on par with where it was last year. In terms of the betting markets last year, we saw the Storm $8 win the competition. I think the Sharks the year before were somewhere around $11. The Cowboys the year before were $15 to start the season. So I would suggest that the betting markets don't necessarily always get it right. I personally think that the Roosters are well overvalued and um, false favourites for mine going into the competition. And uh, if I was to have an interest, I would have thought $6 around the Cowboys or the Storm, and they were as good as $7 a few weeks ago, is probably where I'd look longer term. Yeah, okay. And that's kind of similar to what I've been thinking, particularly around the Cowboys. I know that one of my um, very good friends is a is a huge Cowboys supporter, but he the words of wisdom that he's given me is that they will he thinks they'll start slow, so we'll probably get a better price um, for them, you know, three or four weeks um, into the season, and then you know, then to then you know finish quite hard. Uh, so yeah, that doesn't surprise me what you just said. What about amongst the players? I mean, we, we've seen you've explained that they're majority halves, but you know, who do you think will have the biggest impact um, at the new, their new club? Well. I'll... Uh, plum for three in this area. I think um, Mitchell Pearce will have a big impact at the Knights. I know he's much maligned, in particular by New South Wales supporters, because he's been at an origin level and on occasions possibly not grabbed the game by the scuff of the, scruff of the neck. But I do think he's maturing into a very astute playmaker. I think he's going to be a little bit more relaxed, being able to call all of the shots and not have some of the high-profile pressure around him. I think he'll grow into that role very well. So I expect that he will have a very big season. Um, I'm very optimistic that I think Matt Moylan will go very well at the Sharks. And certainly last week, his trial was outstanding in the first 20 minutes. I think he needs a relaxed environment, some pressure off him, uh, find a home at uh, probably number six, if not number one. But he's a very talented boy. Um, And I think the other two, uh, I think Tom Trebojevich, He's just an out-and-out star. Um, I think he's really going to come of his own this year. We saw glimpses of it last year and the year before, but he just looks an outstanding talent. And lastly, I think uh, Tedesco will make a big impact at number one for the Roosters behind a good team, which he's not been for a number of seasons. I just think he'll really blossom and stand out. Yeah, so that's music to the ears of Supercoach players with, um, you know, uh, Tedesco and also Tavoyevich being key pillars to um, the fullback position and, and um, people like myself will be running those two. They're both very expensive, but um, you know we do see them having a, a big season, so that's great to hear that the you share the thoughts as well. So what about, um, you know, we have spoken briefly about the Roosters, but who do you think is coming into the season um, with just too much hype around them and, um, you know, from maybe from a club but also from a player perspective? Well, from a club perspective, for mine, again, it's the Roosters. My issue here is that um, I thought they, against the very good sides at the back end of last year, got shown up through the middle. 
Um, and a point that's often missed is in the, in both semi-finals, the one that they won, luckily against the Broncos in week one, and then two weeks later, the one that they lost to the Cowboys. In those two games, they conceded 24 to 25 points. You just can't do that and win against the very good teams at the back end of the year. And I can't see how they've strengthened or changed what they have in the middle. There's question marks about uh, Gordner's uh, knee uh, and legs. Uh, there's question marks about where are Hargraves and Napa and attitude and ego. Uh, I'm sure that they will cruise through probably 50 to 60% of the teams of this season and win comfortably. But... When it gets to the engine room and the real tough stuff, I have issues there. In terms of players, I guess I've got question marks over three. Foran, Woods and Ben Hunt. Um, Foran, I just can't see off the back of what we saw last year that his body's ready to stand up to 24 to 26 uh, weeks of the season. Um, and if he's missing key games, again, that raises major question marks over a massive purchase for three years. I understand that Woods knocks up great stats most weeks of the season, but aside from that, I don't see that he has a major impact on games. And so I question about some of the hype, whether it's more stat-related than it is actually impact-related. And I just wonder if Ben Hunt going to the Dragons, he now gets his own team, he's out of the shadow of Bennett and the Broncos, but is he actually good enough to stand up and grab hold of that team lead it from the front and put a real mark on the game as a playmaker. So they're probably the, the four major question marks I have into the start of the season. So it's interesting there that you, there's no question marks over the storm, um, particularly with Cronk uh, moving on. Are you comfortable that they've still got the depth to cover his loss? Uh, I am, and I think what we'll see unfold at the Storm, I mean, I've re-rated them and rated them down slightly on where they were and finished at the end of last season, but um, they have a very capable replacement coming through uh, at number seven. I think what we'll also see is they have a very big opinion of Brandon Smith, and I know that across the off-season he's trained a hell of a lot at number nine, and they're then rotating Smith at either 13 and seven, um, and um, what that will do is give Brandon Smith a lot more game time and give Cameron Smith the flexibility of playing um, as an additional ball player. The Storm have got, in my opinion, the best development and the best coaching system in the competition, and when we look at kids like uh, Scott and Riley Jackson, Croft and some of these guys that came through last year. And the two games that they played without all of their key origin players, one they won and one they should have won against the Roosters, who were all but at full strength. You know, it's an outstanding system. So I still think that the Storm are going to be very, very competitive. So, um, yeah, just going back to your comments on Cameron Smith, that is um, extremely interesting from a super coach perspective. So not sure if you're aware, but there's only real, really one hooker option to pick from each year, and that is Cameron Smith, uh, who just generates so much in, in base statistics, but then also has the goal kicking to go with it. So, you know, if he is playing um, or spending time um, outside of uh, – the hooker position, then, you know, that might have some impact on his, his scoring. Or, or how do you think that, Ben? Do you think that he will just, um, you know, play a, a more of a key role in the, um, you know, the um, playmaking side of things this year? Well, I think he'll, as he does most weeks, be playing 80 minutes. But I think you'll have the flexibility of him playing at 9 or 13 or 7, which I would, would have thought enhances... Um, 
his point scoring for Supercoach uh, and gives you a lot more flexibility. Um, it may well also assist you with what you end up then picking for your halves and or off your bench because Brandon Smith may well be an option off your bench because of his flexibility of also playing quite a bit of game time. Yeah, okay. And also just um, we also commented or kind of commented on two of their new players with the Bulldogs. Um, you know, they've they've obviously acquired Woods and Foran this year and um, have got a new coach. How do you see them going? Do you see them performing well or are they one of the sliders? Uh, I've got them sliding, but what I like about what I've seen in the trials is I think Dean Pay will bring a lot of fresh enthusiasm and positive attitude to the club. And I think that will take them a long way in games. I just can't see, though, that they have the quality and the depth to be competing with the teams in the the top five or six at the top of the table. So I don't have them making the eight, but I'm not overly harsh or negative on them like I am some of the other teams at the bottom of the table. I think Pay's going to take a couple of years to rebuild. Uh, I'm, I guess I would have question marks about whether he would have purchased for and that was done prior to him. But I know that they are looking to use the football a lot more. Uh, they're uh, playing a broader ball shift and attack-focused pattern than they did last season. Um, so I think it's on the way up, but I do see it as a rebuilding year for the Bulldogs. And would you see um, you know, someone like a Brett Morris and a Moses Mbaya potentially um, you know, being one of the people that uh, could see a bit of an uplift in, in their output this year due to the, you know, the, the more of attacking style that they could have? Well, I, I do. Um, and I think Moses Mbai in attack coming from fullback uh, will give him a lot more room. The key question is um, his pressure in handling the high ball. But I do think that that's a positive. Uh, certainly with um, Morris, yes, again, another positive. The big question mark is... Does Frawley aim up at number six? Do they get the combinations right at seven and six? If Foran is missing on different occasions or or uh, Frawley doesn't aim up, then what depth do they have behind them at seven and six? I do think Leisha at nine will um, have a very strong season because I think he'll have the reins taken off him and be allowed to run the football a lot more. Um, so there's some positives there. Um, but again, I'm just not sure that their back row depth or um, or key forward bench is as strong as many of the clubs above them and whether they have a couple of key attacking weapons coming through as juniors in outside backs. Okay. And so with the Bulldogs being the sliders, that, that kind of uh, is a nice segue to the next point that we wanted to, to speak about, which was... Who are the you know some of the other clubs that you see you know as be, be some of the bigger movers um, compared to prior year, both up and down? Um, you know, I've obviously spoken to the top end where you've got the Cowboys and uh, the Storm um, and also the Roosters. They were there or thereabouts last year. Who else are you seeing um, you know to really make their their way into the top eight or the you know who were in the top eight last year and then going to find themselves towards the bottom of the ladder? Well, the, the two teams that um, I guess I've got making out the eight and are improving who didn't make it last season are the Dragons at seven and the Raiders at eight. Um, a number of t- people would probably question uh, how or why over those two sides, in particular the Raiders, given that they've lost their key captain and, and number nine. But uh, for mine, with the Dragons, they have a very strong forward pack. I think they've added well to it with uh, Graham. Um, they bring in Hunt. 
Uh, it's a year of no excuses for mine. Either the coach can coach and he can take this list into the top eight or there's a major overhaul required at that club. The Raiders at the start of last season looked like they had a flashing light and were potentially a top four side. Let's not forget that the year prior, the same list finished second on the table. Um, I understand that they've done a complete overhaul of their fitness program. They're far fitter and have had a much uh, more uh, stronger off-season. So potentially they're the same list as they've been through recent seasons. They have a number of key players coming off contract. So I've penciled them in at number eight. So there's two teams that I've moved up. Sides that I've moved down, uh, the, the Panthers, I have missing the eight. I have the Sea Eagles missing the eight. And um, they're probably the two major sliders, uh, both of them being in the eight last year. The Panthers, for mine, clearly the, the elephant in the room is all of the issues about their coach. Um, and I, I have no doubt from all of the information I've heard that Phil Gould has had a very strong role, both in field sessions and video sessions and alike, in trying to run and prepare that team over the last uh, two months. For mine, you can't have two coaches, you can't have two masters, and the players are, are going to end up with... Um, confusion and just not knowing who to answer to, where the direction's coming from, what are they attempting to do. I'm sure that that's going to end up in a bust-up. The Eagles, I've just got a rate down on the back of losing uh, Green. Um, you know, there's no doubt their talent. They've got a very strong forward pack. You know, DCE is world-class. I think their fullback's an absolute standout. You know, Walker on the right is an, uh, an outstanding attacking centre. But Green was the perfect foil for Cherry Evans, and we saw the year prior when he didn't have that foil after they lost Foran that he's not necessarily a playmaker that likes to call the shots or direct a play and move them around the park. He likes that call for him so that he can play off the back of it. And I just question who they're going to have at six and what impact that then has on them. So that's a... You know, interesting comment that you've made about Green because um, one of the clubs that I think that you're not so keen on are the Warriors, and and he has gone there. So, um, you, you, how do you think that's going to to uh, translate this year? Do you see him not performing that well, or just the, the overall depth of the Warriors not being that great? Well, I think it's more a cultural and a coaching added, uh, issue for mine about the Warriors. And you know, I I've been a fan of Green for a number of seasons. When he was in a good system at the Storm, and then a good system at the Eagles last year, he stood out. I think his problem may well be this year that the Warriors, in, in my opinion, are a rabble. Um, there's a lot of players that go there as major signings that end up just almost sitting like a parking lot. Um, they seem to go backwards and not go forwards. Um, the coach for mine has a very conservative, if not defensive, approach to the game. He likes to play high percentage with the football, uh, not many passes, not many errors, and it just doesn't win you football games when they're, they're a team that do have a lot of natural skill. I just can't have them anywhere but probably a bottom two team. And if I have to pick somebody for the Storm, uh, for the Spoon, I certainly think that, you know, they're one of the major players. Oh, that's interesting. So what is the, the current um, odds on the, on the, uh, the Warriors to, to, to finish last? Just looking at them now, I think it is a, to miss the eight, they're paying, oh, paying $1.30. Um, but just trying to pull up their... Um, well, most losses, which clearly is the, the spoon, um, we've got the Gold Coast Titans at 
three fifty to Tigers at four dollars, the Bulldogs at six dollars, and the Warriors at nine dollars. Mm. Uh, I'd certainly be stepping into the nine dollars. Yeah, very interesting. And uh, so my uh, partner with the the website, um, Nick, he's a, a Kiwi and a, a big Warriors fan, so <laughs> I'm sure he's very proud. He's uh, a long time suffering Warriors fan, builds himself up each year for them only to. To fall over, so um, maybe this is just a little bit nicer to know that they're not, well, not to expect too much. And if I add a couple of stats to that, uh, Josh, I mean the Warriors last year only won one game away in Australia in the whole season. I mean that's just an, an atrocious record. But it, but that's been a major issue for them for a number of years. But last year was clearly their worst. Then the other issue is that they concede an average of somewhere around 26 points a week. You just can't win football games where you're that loose in defence and you've got that terrible away record. And we've got the same coach. Yes, there's a few key signings, but I just see more of the same. Yeah, OK. And... Um... Yeah, it is very. What I thought was quite strange as well was that um, Tuivasa Shek, when you know all the news was that he was going to go to rugby union, then the next minute he's been um, tabled a massive offer to stay long term with the Warriors, which um, to me just seems a very uh, weird um, transpiring of events over a period of a week. Well, I can give you and your listeners a little bit of insight here. He, was act- he actually only had two offers. One was from the Warriors and one was from the West Tigers. Uh, he wanted to move back to Sydney. He has family based in Sydney. The rugby union offer never, ever materialised. That was a complete furphy. And the offer from the West Tigers was about 30% less than what the Warriors offer was. So he actually had the choice of taking 30% less to come back to Sydney and play with the Tigers or re-sign at a reasonable level back at the Warriors. And so he chose to stay at the Warriors. Well, considering that the Tigers look like they're going to have Corey Thompson starting at fullback this year, wouldn't you just think you'd be throwing the cash uh, at uh, RTS to come across? Well, I think what they're trying to do is is build a, a bank of cash over the next couple of years for some major signings. Nathan Cleary may well be one of those, but I think it's in the halves and the forwards that they now want to spend their money. And um, whether it's you know whether it's Thompson, whether it's uh, Lola here or somebody else, I think they'd rather spend less at fullback than they would the sort of money that two of us, the Sheck, was asking for. Okay. So um, from a super coach perspective, uh, you know, some of the big or the most hot player at the moment is probably Latrell Mitchell. Um, people are just think that he's going to break out and, um, you know, really start to come of age. What are your thoughts on, on him? Do you think that this is the year or, or do you, is he still one or two years away? Oh, no, I th- I'd, I'd certainly be having him in my uh, squad at whatever the price. I think I think the upside is, yes, I do think it's his year. He's just an enormous talent. He's a big boy. He's so strong. Uh, he absolutely carves up down an edge, and his best football's in front of him. The other key thing is he's going to be playing in such a strong side that is going to be winning um, eight to nine out of every ten games that they play during the course of the year. So he's going to be scoring tries. He'll be one of the two goal kickers. I mean, I certainly think he's in for a breakout year. Okay, and, and who else do you think is set for a big breakout year this year? Well, um, I mentioned um, Tom Tabojevic. I think he's uh, a big one. Uh, I do think Mitchell Moses behind a very big pack of forwards and having had the advantage of 
a full off-season training in the halves. He looked very good in the trial against Newcastle, and he's going to get a lot of room to play. There's no doubt he's very skillful. I certainly think he's on the up. Um, Nothing clear if the Panthers can be competitive. I do think will shine. But then there's question marks about whether they're going to be consistent week in, week out, and aside from the drama that's around them. Um, and I've already mentioned Matt Moylan. I do think he's looking at a major breakout season as well because hopefully he's going to be settled, new home. He's got a point to prove. I'm sure he wants to aim up and play rep football again, and good performance is, is what's going to lead to that for him. Music to the ears of super coaches there with the names that you just banded around. Uh, two other names that I'm just interested to get your thoughts on, the first one being Jared Hayne and the second one being Bryce Cartwright. So um, very interesting um, off-season happenings um, for both those players, find themselves at new clubs. You know, From a Supercoach perspective, they're two players that are seriously uh, in hot debate at the moment. With, with Cartwright more so, um, he's, because he had such a poor year last year, he starts off very cheap in the game, but... Um, the debate is more, you know, is he going to, to reach the heights of what he had uh, a couple of years ago at, at Penrith or um, or won't he? And the, the other one, Hayne, is the same. Will he ever get back to what he was before he went to the NFL or are his, um, you know, gun years behind him? Well, if it was my uh, super coach squad, I wouldn't be picking either of them. Um, my issue around Cartwright is I, I think uh, he's still got a lot to prove, so you're you're punting on the fact that you think he may well aim up. My greatest concern is I think he's going to be playing in a team that's going to be consistently losing. And so it's going to be difficult for him to have um, breakout games where he's heavily involved in a positive way that's going to earn him uh, points and consistently help you in your squad. Um, He's also had a number of uh, injury issues. I mean, I would want to see him playing consistently week in, week out, and the Titans going well. And I'm certainly not sure that they're in for a major season. I have them in my bottom three. With Hayne, um, I, again, would take the risk and not go with him. Um, certainly, I think he's got issues with his body because um He's had a long haul through recent seasons of changing different games. I'm not sure that he's the best trainer and that his body has been as well looked after as it could have been if we compare it to a a Thurston or a Cronk or a Cameron Smith who in the latter years have made sure that they still treat their body like a temple. Uh, He'll be playing on that right edge, which I do think will be an advantage for him, but I would have thought that there were a number of young stars uh, in your outside backs or in your back three or four that would more uh, more consistently be scoring points for you and having a positive impact. So um, I think he'll have a good season. I don't know that it'll be a great season. Let's not forget it's nine years since he was at his best for the Eels. So a lot's happened in nine years, and clearly he's nine years older. His body's got a lot more wear and tear over those nine years. The upside for him is that he's on a one-year deal and he's got to play very well this year to get himself a new contract or most likely go to Europe and play rugby. But for mine, I would leave both of them out. Okay, very interesting thoughts there. Um, So before we jump into the the, uh, betting preview, let's just take a quick break and then we'll just come straight into it. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. 
Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, so 2018 NRL betting preview from Jared at Reading the Play. Um, you know, in, in Supercoach, we're faced with many questions each week, such as who do we trade in and out, who do we captain, you know, who do we start or sit? And I'm sure that from a, a betting perspective, um, similar factors or information, you know, can be applied, um, you know, when particularly when you are, you know, doing your research and your reviews. Um, you know, without giving away the keys to your edge, um, when you were gathering all of your thoughts in order to prepare your ratings at a week-to-week basis, you know, what, is, what are some tips that you can um, provide us and what we should be looking, particularly if we're looking at or reviewing games and, and watching games um, or even looking at stats? What, what are some of the key pieces of information that, that you rely on? Josh, I'm sure that there's a crossover here, but for me, uh, one is you can't beat quality. Uh, if I look at... Uh, the teams that I've got rated number one and two that are teams that I've got rated at 15 and 16, the difference equates to four or five good quality players in those ratings. So if I'm looking at how I want to balance up a um, a, a squad, um, you just can't miss good quality players and um, go with the best because, and go with the best who are playing in quality teams that are going to be winning because they will be standing out. Um, and I'm sure that you know the point system in Supercoach stands out year after year. That guys like Cameron Smith are very expensive, but they're very expensive for a reason. Um, other issues for me are defence. Um, I look at the defensive issues of every team and their system and their coach. Um, I know from my years of coaching that coaching defence is probably the hardest thing to coach in the game. Um, Some are very good at it, like Bellamy, and some are very poor at it. Um, But I want um, that to be a strong factor because it also then leads to teams that win. I rate very highly home ground advantage. Um, Sides like the Storm, the Cowboys, the Broncos, and those that are consistently winning um, and in the semi-finals or the top six most years, have a very strong home ground advantage, um, and that also then leads to winning form. It leads to their best players performing very well every week, and so they're also standing out. Um, and lastly, uh, which I guess ties into the first point, but the quality of player and, um, you know, f- for example, if uh, the Storm uh, lose Cameron Smith in a given week, I would rate them down somewhere in the vicinity of 8 to 10% because that's how big an impact he might have. But it's the same with the Thurston. Mitchell Pearce will be the same at the Knights um, and so on with those key players in those key clubs. So um, 
I can't emphasise enough that the quality absolutely stands out and it's the difference between the teams that are at the top of the table consistently and the teams that unfortunately are at the bottom and then going through that phase of trying to rebuild. Yeah, so if you just look at some of the biggest, uh, historically the biggest um, uh, scorers from a Supercoach perspective, you've got the likes of a, a uh, Cameron Smith, Jonathan Thurston, um, you know, James Tedesco, Paul Gallen. You know, all those kind of guys, and, and that strikes straight to the heart of what you were just saying about, um, you know, quality at the end of the day prevails. In terms of defence, I know this could be a bit of a difficult question for, to put you on the spot, but um, who do you see at the moment as having the weakest defence? And, and though even looking at that a little bit deeper, um, what about, is, is there any edge within a side, any of the teams that you just you think are, are very weak? And I mean... The reason why I ask that is because when we're looking as to who we're going to start and sit each week or also who we're going to captain, um, having that understanding about which side could leak the most amount of points or um, which edge might be the weakest as well, um, you know, really does help to, you know, for us to make those decisions. So, yeah, so who, who do you think has the weakest defence this year and, and if there is an edge that you see has been quite weak as well? Well, it's no coincidence that history tells us a lot about this year in, year out with the sides that are are weak at it and the sides that are strong. If we take at the top of the table before we touch on the weakest, I mean, the Storm last year averaged 14 points against every week. In the two, in the three semi-finals that they, or finals, including the grand final that they played, they only conceded 7.3 points a game. I mean, that's why they won the competition. At the bottom of the table, you know, we had the Knights at 27 points. We had the Titans at 26 and a half. We had the Warriors at 24. We had the Rabbitohs at 24. We had the Tigers at 24. And if we look year on year, most of those teams would be somewhere in the vicinity of 22 to 24 to 26 points a week conceding. And um, my interest this year will be on how much improvement Nathan Brown can make in the defensive system at uh, the Knights. Now, clearly, he gets seven or eight key experienced first graders into that team that will help them considerably. But it wasn't great in the trial last week. Um, yeah, Nathan, uh, Ivan Cleary is a very good coach, and he's also very good at coaching defence, but he's got to make a major impact at the Tigers. They're at you know, 24 points a week last year, even while he was coaching the second half of the season. He's got a lot of work to bring that down. The Rabbitohs were without a, a few key players and they have a new coach. Um, I'm not sure that his defensive capabilities ring all that strongly, so that's a big watch for mine. You know, the Titans, I think, are a real worry um, and certainly their trial form has been very, very poor. They have a new rookie coach, big watch there. The Warriors I've touched on, you know, I'm just not a big rap on them. I think one of the things that will help the Bulldogs while they might end up losing more than they win is that Dean Pay is a very strong defensive coach and I'm sure he'll put that in play and help them there. So I'm not sure that the bottom of the table changes greatly from what it was last year for that one factor. Okay. I think we've already established that the, um, you know, the Cowboys, Storm, and, uh, or you said to, to quite a margin, and then the Roosters are your, your top picks for the Premiership and then we're also looking at the Warriors... Um, you know, what about um, the Titans and the Tigers? I'm assuming that they're also some of the, the clubs that you're expecting to finish down? Yes, I've uh, I've rated the Titans down from where they finished late last year. Uh, I've rated the Warriors down. 
Um, I've got slight improvement around the Tigers, but I still have them as the bottom three. Um, I, I just can't see that, that, that they've strengthened enough. Yes, they've, in a couple of instances, they've had some change of either coach or some list. Um, but the players that they've brought in are probably somewhere around the quality, maybe slight improvement on what they've replaced, but they're certainly not major buyers like the Knights have been able to establish. But even with the Knights, I've rated them, re-rated them from the bottom two up to being one of those sides that can compete outside the bottom of the eight. But they're still, I think, another uh, year away from being in a position to really compete for a top eight position. Okay. And so if that's what we're looking at for the Premiers and also Wooden Spoon, that's kind of your, your futures markets at the moment. What other bets are you considering at this stage or is it, is it all um, just focus on, on week one? Uh, they're, they're, my key long-term bets would be the Cowboys and the Storm to win the competition. Uh, I think the $6 at the moment is actually better than we would get into the year, and that's why I would want to take it now. Uh, I certainly would have something around the Warriors to finish at the bottom of the table, $9. Looks very, very inviting. And then I'm working around um, round one. Um, I've now done my own handicaps for the first week, and there are probably two areas where my markets are different to what's available. I think the Eels have been... um, well overvalued in their first up game against Penrith. Early last week, there was as good as $2.25 available about them. I've got them marked $1.80 favourite. So I'm, I'm keen to be with the Eels. And I think the Knights at home in game one on Friday night against the Sea Eagles. The Sea Eagles I've marked down because they're going to be missing Walker. They're going to be uh, most likely missing Lussick. There's unknown about who'll be at number six and how that'll work. They play the Knights in Newcastle in front of 25,000 people. I do expect that the Knights will aim up in game one. And at the moment, I've got my prices very different to what's available at the moment in the market. The Eagles are warm favourites or warmish favourites. I'm happy to be with the Knights. I have to say that I was absolutely shocked when I saw the market for the Panthers and the Eels. Surely that was a work experience boy, putting up those markets initially. I also saw, also saw them last week as well. And even now you're looking at Panthers still favourites at $1.80 versus the Eels at $2. So um, that's still, um, from my perspective, completely wrong. Um, oh, I, I agree, Josh, and um, long may he have a job. <laughs> and the other one is uh, that I look at is, yeah, yes, they're under $2, but for mine, the Raiders are paying $1.70 to beat the Titans. Um, yes, it's away from home, but even that, I think, is a little bit generous. Is there any value there? Yeah, no, there is. I, um, I've i got the Raiders a little warmer than that as well. Um, I'm sure that the Titans will probably look to aim up in game one at home, give their supporters something to believe in, but I think the Raiders are far, far stronger. And um, I do think Ricky Stewart quietly is going to have them coming out of the box uh, pretty strongly in the opening weeks. It was quite interesting that they didn't uh, com- would take part in the, the major trials last week. Was there any reason around that or just that that was the way, part of their preparation? Oh, I think Ricky's taken a different approach this year. Uh, I think he's trying to keep things very quiet, but they've been um, really training very, very strongly. He's been working on combinations. I think he wants to keep things quiet uh, until game one of what he might be doing at number nine. 
Uh, I was equally as surprised as you. I mean, all teams would normally take part in those trials, and 15 of the clubs did, but the Raiders were the only one that didn't. Yeah, it was very surprising, but I, I guess it's good to give the opportunity to someone like P&G to compete against the Broncos. We saw what that, you know, the reception that had over there, which was fantastic. Um, all right, well, I think that's pretty much everything that, that I wanted to, to discuss. And I guess before that we, um, that we close out, uh, you know, we've said that the website is readingtheplay.com, but, and I believe you've got a free preview available of the 2018 season up there as well. Yes, Josh, on the home page, anybody that goes to that and just scroll down, there's a free preview, uh, very detailed. To be honest, there's about four weeks' worth of work in it. Um, and I, what I've done is give an overview of my uh, ratings. I've rated the top eight and then the bottom eight in order, and then I've done an individual preview covering some key stats as well on all 16 teams. So that's there for anybody to read. Uh, it's free on the homepage, and if anybody else is interested, they can also have a look around the website. Yeah, fantastic. And if people are interested in signing up or becoming a subscriber, what what are the services that you offer on a weekly basis? Uh, at the moment, in terms of um, signing up, we've got a, a 20% discount available until the end of this week, so it's a great time to start. What we then provide each subscriber, um, but we've got other pricing plans that cover one week or five weeks or ten weeks, so there's multiple different options. We don't try and lock people into something that they don't want to commit to. After that, we then provide them with an SMS message um, of any selections. We also send them an SMS message when the previews have gone online. Their website access then allows them to click in and have a look at the weekly preview for each game, which then covers our handicap markets, our recommended plays, our tips for every game, uh, the key stats that matter for every game, and there's normally a lot of detail in those that they wouldn't find anywhere else, and then an individual preview for each game. And if there's a betting play, a suggestion, an outline of why we think that's a play. Fantastic. And does that also give advice on staking and, and the like? Are you recommended on what, what, how many units to be betting on, on per bet? Yes, it does. Okay. Well, we, we, we stake all of our bets between one and five units and we use that method so that, A, people can um, stake their bank around a unit size that might be suitable. Some people might be $20 units, some people might be $50 units and then the number of units uh, expresses the level of confidence in the bet. So if it's four units, then certainly we're far more confident than we are about a one-unit play. Brilliant. So if you want to learn more, um, you can go to readingtheplay.com, also at readingtheplay on Twitter. And I believe that you're also, do you still have the weekly slot on 2SM um, previewing the, the week's games? Yes, I do, Josh. Um, Monday, Thursday and Friday, quarter past five Sydney time. Um, Monday is a review of the weekend. Thursday, we go through the Thursday night game and the round tips. And then Friday, we'll do a preview of the other seven games and all of the tips. All right, fantastic. So, Jared, thank you very much for coming on. I think it's been fantastic to have you on and just to get your general insights as we head into, um, you know, round one. And, and we'd definitely love to get you on at maybe a midpoint through the season to take a bit of a review of what we said was going to happen and then if, you know, things have changed a little bit, what, what we're looking for the second half of the year. Absolute pleasure, Josh. Thanks very much and love to come back anytime and have a chat. And uh, all the best, I... Don't have the time to do Supercoach, but I actually do follow a lot of what's going on with it all the time and certainly follow your handle and your website, and I'm always looking for the players are on the way up or the players are on the way down. 
Thank you very much for that. And thank you guys for listening again this week. It's going to be massive, as you could imagine. Um, Teamless Tuesdays out, and we all start from there. Plus, we've got some team reveals of, of our uh, Supercoach sides on Wednesday, and then we're straight into round one on Thursday night, and I'm really, really looking forward to it. So, again, Jared, thank you very much. And then until the next time, um, speak to you all soon. Bye. Thanks, Josh. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 